Welcome to Happy Hour. Happy Thursday, everybody. He's Adam Harahuck. I'm Sean Cantwell at your local alternative, Solid State Radio. And my, do we have a loaded baked potato of a radio program here for you today. Yeah, you were excited. You started sending me show prep on my phone. That's something I rarely ever get. Because <laughs> I'm usually not up early enough to, to do this. But in this case, uh, well, it just couldn't be helped because... We have breaking news coming in. We got uh, Red Wings, of course, that we're going to talk about. MLB stuff that I'm going to have to yell about for a bit. And a couple of interesting, potentially Lion-related notes from ESPN. So a lot of stuff that we're going to touch on. I feel like we have to jump on the breaking news, though, to start. As Michigan is under investigation yet again. I know to the shock of everybody out there, really. (laughs) Great. This time, it's for sign-stealing. And apparently, there, there is quite the investigation per ESPN. We'll just go right into this. The NCAA is investigating the number two football program in the nation amid allegations of sign-stealing, the school announced Thursday. Ward Manuel said in a statement, quote, I want to personally assure you that U of M Athletics will offer its complete cooperation in, to the NCAA in this matter. You know, like they've cooperated in literally no other investigation ever. At the University <laughs> of Michigan, all of us are committed to the... The highest standards of ethics and integrity for all members of our community. This is the same expectation I have of all coaches, staff, and student athletes. And how that man managed to put that statement out with a straight face is beyond me. U of M and the Big Ten were both notified by the NCAA of the investigation on Wednesday. And the conference said it had notified the Wolverines' future opponents. Quote, The Big Ten Conference considers the integrity of competition to be of utmost importance and will continue to monitor the investigation. A source told ESPN's Adam Rittenberg that the NCAA is also investigating alleged similar violations by Michigan that date prior to the 2022 season. Upcoming opponents have not expressed opposition to playing Michigan after being notified by the NCAA. Honestly, I kind of wish State would pull out of that one, but, you know. We can't all get what we want. <laughs> the NCAA does not have rules specifically against stealing signs, but does prohibit in-person advanced scouting of opponents and also has bylaws prohibiting unsportsmanlike activities. So according to this report by Yahoo Sports, Michigan allegedly had people attending games of future opponents as well as possible college football playoff opponents to gather information on signs used to call plays on offense and defense. A source confirmed the SBN that in-person scouting is the focus of the NCAA investigation. If true, as everybody on Facebook who's like an expert on the rules has already pointed out, the Wolverines would have violated NCAA bylaw 11.6.1, which states off-campus in-person scouting of future opponents in the same season is prohibited. U.S. Integrity, a Las Vegas firm that monitors the betting market, sent out an alert to its sportsbook clients regarding the Michigan controversy on Thursday. So you could actually potentially see these games get pulled off the books entirely, which would be pretty well unheard of. Well, I mean, so they're they're frustrated that they had people at the games watching doing their scouting. Basically, yes. But, but don't they do that in all sports anyway? That they send scouts out there. I mean, that's kind of what I thought. And if anything, uh are they not allowed to watch a game on TV? Right. I mean, they're, they're allowed to they're allowed to have all the game film that they want. There's something about the in-person part of it which I find hilarious cuz I assume that every Every school was doing this. Like, yeah. yeah, this is. I'm I'm of two mindsets on this, really, dude. And one of them, as a Wolverine fan who hates, or as a uh, Spartan fan who hates your school, <laughs> um, I don't think this is as nearly as big of a deal as it's being made out to be. For the reason you stated, like, okay, so they're going supposedly going to schools and and watching other teams and stealing signs or whatever. I'm not worried about it. I'm not worried about any of this. No. Like, there's there's nothing here that I'm really overly concerned about, honestly, that I'm sure that I honestly don't believe that every other school in the, has done at one point or another or actively does on the regular. That being said, you're already under investigation by the NCAA for, well, more than a few things. There is the whole recruiting during a COVID dead period and having recruits over during a pandemic, which a blatant violation that you went on to lie about that Jim Harbaugh went and denied having any knowledge of that sort of thing happening, denied it ever happened. Um, uh, Yeah, it did. 
And then all of a sudden we go into three, you know, three months of cheeseburger, cheeseburger. Like, oh my god, they're, they're all this over a cheeseburger? No, you idiots! It's they're recruit, they're tr- doing recruiting during a period where the NCAA has specifically said there is to be no in-person recruiting. I don't know why this is something that you know doesn't get through the heads of the brain dead Walmart Wolverine faithful, but it's not. <laughs> but that said, you kind of put a target on your own back at this point. Yeah. And, you know, this one's kind of a self-inflicted on here, man. Like, this, should this be anything in itself? No. I mean, I would be a tremendous hypocrite to sit here and tell you that I think that, you know, they should throw the book and start vacating wins at U of M when I came out very much in defense of both the Houston Astros and the Patriots during their Spygate nonsense. Yep. Not a big deal, don't care, and would quite frankly be hypocritical of me, even as a certified Wolverine hater, to come here and do otherwise. That said, you put a pretty big target on your back by basically daring the NCAA to come after you and lying about the things that they already went after you for Mm -hmm. and the fan base just being like, you know, come and get it. (laughs) So this is... Y'all got nobody to blame but yourselves here. And they're going to find something. Is this a witch hunt? Yes. Is this something that could have easily been prevented by you just not lying to the NCAA and making them show their ass on uh, you know in, in front of the nation? Also, yes. Makes sense. I just don't understand why it is that anyone's shocked that this would come out, that there would there wouldn't be some other no matter how benign it is, knowing going in that you've already been you've already been under investigation for multiple things. We still have all the Matt Weiss stuff. The why did why did they the Fed seize this man's computer? Mazzy Smith, what the gun charges, all this other stuff, and now the NCAA had you guys kind of trying to show them up. During what what your fan base still refers to as cheeseburger gate, but <laughs> you, you can't be surprised then when they start coming after you for other stuff. Like, oh yeah, you're gonna try and make us look like a bunch of idiots. Oh, we'll show you. Right. I mean, is the NCAA a complete clown car of an organization? Absolutely, it is. No one's gonna deny this. But you still you don't go and poke the bear. You don't. It's dumb. Right. It's dumb and you shouldn't do it. Exactly. And I don't... I, I, I feel like this is more proof, honestly, that uh, Captain Khaki Pants is moving on after this season. You think so? Especially if they win a natty this year, like... That's why they're going all in. That's what it is, because they know all this other stuff is coming up and coming around him, and that he's just a lightning rod for the NCAA's uh, no, watchdogs now. So they absolutely kind of have to, uh, all right, win it all now, because I'm getting a hell out of Dodge after this season before they start <laughs> vacating wins or suspending me or yeah. banning me from coaching or whatever. Right? Can't be having that. No. We need to do this now and get out of Dodge, because you know what? They can vacate, which, again, is the stupidest thing in the history of sports. That we can just vacate and pretend that we didn't win that title. Like, all those games that you saw with your own eyes they won, they don't count now. That's the dumbest thing that, ever. That is a slap in the face of every uh, fan, every uh, alumni. Yeah, I've, I've always thought it was stupid to do that, and I know a lot of pro sports have suggested. I mean, obviously it was talked about that, well, the, the win should be vacated by the Astros over their, over, over their uh, trash can gate, whatever. But that being said, it's, it's certainly a possibility, and it's just honestly a stupid thing that, that could happen, but it's not going to take away the fact that, hey, we played in the national title game and you all saw us win a national title no matter what the NCAA says after the fact yep. that he can go off and coach in the NFL and have nobody care kind of like Pete Carroll skipped out of town with uh, USC and has gone on to Seattle to basically be left alone Yep, I feel like that's where this is headed and for the longest time I didn't buy I have to admit I, I didn't necessarily buy the ongoing Harbaugh rumors that he's going back to the NFL. Like, no, that's stupid. He has a job in Ann Arbor for as long as he wants it. Why would he why would he even think about going back to the NFL when he's got a gig here that is basically secured for as long as he wants it? Right. Now, 
it's starting to kind of become a little obvious why it is that he's been thinking about the exit strategy for so long. Yeah, something, something's going on. Something's going on that we don't know. Uh, I think there's going to be even bigger news. Because as far as like sign stealing and scouting, this is all small potatoes. I Honestly, mean, it's... it's- the bigger the bigger things were violating recruitment and you know uh, violating rules during a, a COVID year. Uh, that was a big one, but it's almost like you know you should have known that you were going to be under a watchful eye of the NCAA. You needed to kind of clean your act. It's almost like getting pulled over by a cop, being let off with a warning, and then squealing out onto the street as soon as the cop lets you go. That's the perfect metaphor, really. Like, that's basically what they did. Like, we're going to let you off with a warning this time, and then just, you know, burning rubber on the way. Thanks, Piggy. Thanks, Piggy. That's basically what you did. And now now that you've, you know, showed the NCAA your ass, they're going to... They're they're gonna come after it and spank it to the full extent of the uh, of the rules. Yeah, yes, you done messed up. <laughs> <laughs> you you did. Like, there's no way around this. Whether or not we think the rule is stupid, and I absolutely agree that the rule is stupid. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Certainly in that in that space, you still know what the rules are, and when you get caught breaking them. The NCAA, especially after the last thing, isn't going to accept, well, it's a dumb rule. We didn't, Everybody else is doing it. Why am I the only one that got pulled over? They're not going to accept that as an excuse. I didn't pull everybody over. I pulled you over. Right. You're, I caught you. Exactly. You were the one who was stupid enough to get caught, and now you get to pay the consequences of being stupid enough to get caught. <laughs> there you go. Yep. It's happy hour at Solid State Radio. Much to do today. Stick around. Churchill, your local alternative, Solid State Radio. So I kind of monopolized the mic last segment yelling about Michigan and all of their their nonsense with, well, we effed around and we found out when it comes to, you know, poking the bear that is the uh, NCAA clown car. So what, now we're going to go ahead and let Adam <laughs> monopolize the mic for the next 20 minutes or so. How about them Red Wings? How about them Red Wings? They are looking good. I wasn't too sure watching that game against the Penguins. Uh, that first, that first couple minutes of getting Malkin scores a goal, and it was just like, oh boy, here we go. But the Red Wings have adapted this never say die attitude, and were able to at one point make it four to one. There it is. There's the theme song. Yeah, I need to. I need to start jumping on that quicker. Whatever. Going uh going into the third period, it was four to one. You'd got goals from Alex DeBrinket, his uh his first of two that he got on that. He My, had, that was a nice acquisition, wasn't it? Yeah, more on him a little bit. Uh, ben Sherratt, after he uh, just kind of gave up his his assignment, took the rest of the shift off, and Evgeny Malkin was able to t- get a one timer past uh, Billy Huso. So nice to see ha- him have a little bit of redemption for his first of the season. Right. Andrew Kopp got a goal in the second, as did David Perron. Basically, the all the people we've been complaining about got, actually got in on the on the positive side of things. Yes, and you, you're welcome, America. You're welcome. Andrew Kopp did score again with an empty netter in the in the third. Alex DeBrinkett. Power play, empty netter, with an assist from Dylan Larkin. Not too shabby. I didn't realize we had the best power play in the league so far this season. I didn't. I didn't either. I know that they they've been looking good. Uh, Veli Husso, uh, was a 33 say, uh, shots allowed, uh, three goals, so for 30 uh, 30 saves on the night. So good on him. Eric Carlson with, with a really nice slapper. Now the the Wings did. Uh, I don't know, maybe if they're starting to get some ref luck that some, we complained about other teams getting because there were two goals that were uh, look, reviewed and allowed. And both goals, I'm like, nope, they're not going to allow that. There was one where the uh, the puck was batted out of the air and the stick, you can see from every standpoint, the stick was higher than the, the crossbar. Yeah. So that should negate the goal, but nope. In Toronto, they said, nope, let them play. And then there was an offsides call. Michael Rasmussen was ahead of the play. So, uh, okay, I think that was, uh, was that, uh, 
Which goal was that? That was the uh, Andrew Kopp goal, the empty netter. They said he was offsides, and they kept going over it on video. And I'm like, yeah, he's offsides. This should not have counted. Yeah. And it counted, so I guess I'll take it. But, you know, it's if it's it's weird. Like, it feels weird being on this because you know eventually it's going to bite you. It, well, we're used to getting bit, quite frankly. So I'm like, oh, yeah, that's definitely coming back. We're definitely not getting that goal. And it it uh it happened to us. It happened to us good. And so we won that game six to three. You just love to see it. Not too shabby. The Wings are now three and one to start the season. They're going into Ottawa. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. But I mean, Alex DeBrinket. I mean, I, everybody was really excited, and I was and for good cautious, reason. I was cautiously optimistic about it, but he's so undersized. I mean, in the world of hockey, he is a munchkin. Uh, apparently, that hasn't mattered that much. No, apparently not. Nope he. He, uh, he did well. He is doing well. He's a good acquisition. Really uh, was. I mean, he's he's currently second in the league in goals. And Larkin is first, tied for first in the lead in assists. Wow. DeBrinkett leads in points. DeBrinkett leads in goals created. Like, just all of the, all of the uh, so many of the offensive categories, uh, and you've got wings, like, at the top or almost at the top of. How, yeah, are, they doing, to how are they doing it in the Atlantic? In the Atlantic, currently, they sit at... Uh, they're sitting at a tie with the Ottawa Senators for first. Uh-huh. Which that's none of those, neither of those things are going to last for very long because Ottawa's not going to be that good for that long. No, no. But well, I guess we can get, get into the Ottawa thing now. Then, uh, then that Saturday uh, game is going to matter a lot. It's a 1 p.m. Uh, puck drop, and there's a lot of people. There's a lot of uh, mumbling. Come, rumblings, I should say, coming out of Ottawa, saying they're they're going to be taking some runs at DeBrinket because DeBrinket made it quite clear I don't want to re-sign in Ottawa. I don't want to be here, and so everybody's got a red ass, and they're they're actually thinking that there's going to be a lot of players taking a run at Alex DeBrinket. How much do you really buy that though? Like, do you really think they're going to feel that way so much, or is this? I feel like that's more of a fan thing. Like they're they're more upset about this than any of his teammates are. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm worried that it's, it's a, it's a real thing. I mean, obviously he's going to get booed. He's going to get booed by, the, by all three Ottawa fans. You um, expect that yeah. though. But I, I'm worried, you know, cause you know, the Kachuk family, they're not known for their, uh, cool headedness. No, they're not. And you got Brady Kachuk swimming around. Here's, so, hoping Brady, here, here's hoping he'll do something stupid and end up in the penalty box a bunch. Yeah. And yet that would, uh, that would help him out, help out the wings because, uh, Brady Kachuk is a really good player. So that's why we got Clem Costin. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw that uh, Austin Reese in the lineup on Saturday. Zach Aston Reese. Uh, yeah, I keep forgetting his first name is Zach. Uh, is he even it, with the squad right now? He got, he he got called it? up. No, no, no. He got sent down. Yeah. Um, I, I, he's been known to mix it up, so they might call him up for uh, for Saturday and put and interject him in the lineup just to have another. Uh, uh, yeah, but who the scrapper. hell you said down though? Out there, like, there's no one who's currently Jeff Petrie. Well, you'd like to send down Petrie, but I don't. I don't think it quite works like that, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, it is. Jeff, sit down. See, it was easy. <laughs> yeah, but I don't care who your dad is. You, yeah, but you, you know, you got to clear waivers, and of course, the right when I turned tune into TNT last night, uh-huh. they immediately. Cut to Dan Petrie in the stands. Of course they did. Are you? Is anyone surprised by this? Nope. Nope. And then uh, the previous game when the Wings were playing uh, the Blue Jackets. Oh, did you know Dylan Larkin and Zach Warensky are really good friends? Yes. Yes, we all know that. We you all know. know. We've heard this for like last five years. Yep. There's that footage of them having dinner. They, yeah, they never, ever, ever shut up about it. Yeah. Show me some new footage. Show me a footage of the two of them going into a strip club together. <laughs> oh, Zach and Dylan Larkin, they're uh, the odd couple if I've ever seen one. There they are. Uh, one of them is paying the cover for the other. That's friendship right there. They're both going in the champagne room. I, I don't I don't see the woman. <laughs> oh, Jesus. A lot of Red Wings fans showing up here all of a sudden. 
But no, I don't, I don't think Asterisk gets called because like, who are you really sending down on as a you know a forward that you're sending down? I mean, Clint Costin's probably your guy that if anyone's going to go at it, it's going to be him because that seems to be at least partially what you brought him in for. Yeah, I don't expect that there's going to be. I, I don't think there's going to be nearly as much trouble at that game as your as your sources seem to think. Yeah, well, my sources are uh, uh, the Ottawa Senator coach. He calls me all the time. He says, yeah, we're gonna take a run on that little, that little pisser. Uh, I, I thought you were about to say yeah, your your Facebook sources are a, a a certain Facebook group devoted to the winged wheel. Oh no, no, I, they're just they're just <laughs> clickbait. That's just a clickbait shop. If I ever saw one, uh, the one there's so much the, fun to mess with. The though. one guy that will mix it up is more at cider. See him. Uh, Tear after uh, Evgeny Malkin towards the end of the third period or second period, uh, they both got a roughing penalty for that one. But yeah, Borat yeah, Cider put uh, Evgeny Malkin in a headlock or uh, some, something was going on. Yeah, that, I did get to see a little bit of that scrap, and unfortunately, Cider had the better of him. Got there. Yeah. Ended up on the wrong side of that, sadly. Yep. Yeah, he was he was down on the bottom, but he, it showed that he could mix it up. I mean, Evgeny Malkin, uh, even though he has that kind of dirt look, he, I mean, he is a he is a feisty player. <laughs> Can't uh, apologize, Evgeny uh, Malkin, Malkin now and the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying he's probably tasted a crayon or two. Um, <laughs> Are you suggesting this man may have licked a window in his time? <laughs> he he just might have. I don't know either. That, unless he just gets like really stoned before every team picture. Maybe he does. I'm not here to judge him. <laughs> I mean, I am here to judge him, but I'm not here to judge him. He's sparking up a ball. Malkin, Gino, picture time. Hey, you okay. you enjoy your leisure time how you enjoy it. I'll enjoy it how I enjoy mine. Like I'm not here to I'm not here to to judge the man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pause the Bob Marley. I gotta get my picture taken. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. <laughs> Yeah, no. <laughs> Here comes Phil Kessel. Any more hot dogs? <laughs> I'm hungry. It would explain a lot of things, wouldn't it? And now There's I've... another one that looks like he looks like he smokes a bowl before every game. No, he, he, that that he does. Looks like a few other things, but we won't mention those on the air. Mm-hmm. Uh, here is uh, <laughs> he has more Stanley Cups than I do. <laughs> that that is fair. Here's the offspring, your local alternative is Solid State Radio. Silver Chair, your local alternative, Solid State Radio, streaming the world at SolidStateRadio.net. What's going on? It is happy hour. He's Adam Harahuck. I'm Sean Cantwell. And now this is where I once again go back to monopolizing the mic. Baseball. <laughs> so, the uh, candidates have been announced, the nominees for the Contemporary Baseball Era Committee. So these are the people that will be considered by the Contemporary Baseball Era Committee for managers, executives, umpires for Hall of Fame election for the class of 2024. (laughs) The committee will meet December 3rd at baseball's winter meetings in Nashville. Four managers, two executives, and two umpires comprise the eight-name list. And you're going to see why it is that I'm incensed about this list. But let's do the managers here first. Jim Leland is the first of the, uh, the candidates Mentioned here of particular note to us here in Detroit. Sure, yeah, he's uh he's one in Detroit and Florida. He is he has I believe the 18th most wins among MLB managers all time, and he did well. He didn't win in Florida. He won in, in Florida, but he didn't win here. He's been to three. Oh, yeah, okay. He's yep. been to three World Series and won one of them because our pitching completely forgot how to pitch, pitch and our hitters completely forgot how to hit. It's weird how that works. Mm-hmm. But I feel like he absolutely gets inducted, or should get inducted at least. He had some really good years in Pittsburgh. Obviously, the World Series in Florida. If you can win in Florida, then God bless, man. You can win anywhere. Yep. Um, and as about the same number of wins, I believe 18 and 17 on the list are him. And Lou Pinella, who is also up for election, has a 1990 World Series championship of his own. I believe he... Is that his only one that he appeared in? I believe so. But him and Leland are right up there on the on the all time win list. So you gotta imagine they're probably getting in. Uh Cito Gaston doesn't have as many wins, hasn't cracked a thousand even. I think he managed for a lot less time than the other guys on this list. But he has two World Series back to back with Toronto. Ooh. Look, you win a World Series in Toronto, like Again, you're doing pretty damn good. Like, th- you have to compete against 
you know, some of the heavy hitting teams in the league and in Toronto where you, presumably they're not giving you that much money. I mean, they, I mean they do, but it, you know, it's it's monopoly money and it smells like syrup. It's just not it, it, it isn't worth as much. So, <laughs> sorry Canada. So really those 894 wins he has translate to something like 1500 Canadian anyway. Right. So, I think he's got a strong case. Anyone who has two rings really has a strong case as a manager. Davey Johnson also has a ring with, uh, I don't remember who it was, but in 96 his was, though. or No, sorry, 86. 1,300 wins. He probably, like, I could make a case for any of those four guys to get in. And I don't think anyone would necessarily argue that they don't have at least a case, even if you don't necessarily think that they ultimately should be in. So Gaston, he wins AL East titles in 89 and 91 while putting up almost 900 wins. So he's got two division titles and four and like two World Series. No, apparently nobody wins in the, in Toronto like Gaston. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, a non-traditional baseball market like that, and he he wins twice. Yeah, and, I mean that's that's not too shabby. The only uh, two wins that Toronto has, right? The only two ring. Yeah, yeah, so correct. That's uh, unless they do it this year, which wouldn't even put it past him. I mean, he he so he did quite well for that. I believe they actually brought him back like a decade or two later. Someone got fired up there and like, well, this is the one guy that we had who actually knows how to win. So let's bring him back, eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He didn't. Doesn't. We don't have the same team for him to coach, but you know. Eh, it should all work out just fine. Yeah, it'll be fine. He he won with them, so I don't see any reason that he can't win also here. Yeah, like literally a decade later, they brought him back, and he did. He got him back to respectability. Honestly, like they, I I don't think they made. Did they make the playoffs? Oh, um, I don't think they. Okay, they did make the playoffs any of those those three years, but he at least got him back to above five hundred. Like the first year, he comes in in the middle of the season. And that team had gone like twelve and twenty-five. Other, the last guy gets fired. He comes in and takes that team to a division title that year. That's effing <laughs> impressive. I don't care who you are. Yeah, that's that's pretty hard to dispute. That guy's uh, qualifications there for sure. Then obviously, um, where was oh Jimmy Smokes? Can't really argue that. I mean, 22 years as a manager, he finished first place six times. He has a World Series in 97, won a couple, uh, had a couple uh, AL pennants in 06 and 12, and we know how those turned out. Uh, had three Manager of the Year awards, finished second in the voting for that award three times. Oh, he also managed Team USA and uh, won a World Baseball Classic as well, for whatever that might be worth. Huh. I think he gets in. Again, he managed in markets where it's almost impossible to win and won. In, in almost all of them. Hard to argue against him. Davey Johnson's match for about everybody. 562 winning percentage, 13th all-time among managers with at least 10 years of service. I believe he's top 20 or close to it in, in wins all-time as well. He won with the Mets. He won a World Series with the Mets, again. Like, you're, you're talking about, like, you're, you're not winning. Like, it's not like you're, you're handing the keys to the Ferrari that is the New York Yankees and you, and you win a title or two. Like, you, you're being asked to take on a team that is historically cursed and, and get them a title. Can't argue against you there. <laughs> and then Pinella. He had some good years with the Yanks, Reds, Mariners, Rays, and Cubs. He won with, uh, he, he, well, there was one year he got 116 wins for the Mariners. Sadly, not a World Series, though. And then did win a World Series title with the Cincinnati Reds. Now, I'm not going to even tell you that I know who any of these uh, the executives are. Bill White, he apparently was, a, he was president of the National League, I guess for whatever that's worth, and presided over the addition of Marlins and the Rockies. And he'll, he'll probably win because he'll probably get in there because, you know, these, he, people in the who are actually involved in the game know who the hell he is and what he did or something. Hank Peters, 42 years in baseball front offices, starting with the Browns and Reds, became the A's general manager in 1965, helped them build a dynasty in the 70s, became the GM of the Orioles and helped them win a World Series, and then took over as president in Cleveland and they and, and helped them do some pretty uh, big things in the 90s. Now, here's where we have a problem. There were two umpires nominated. <laughs> and no. 
They nominated no. Country Joe West to the Hall of Fame. <laughs> this is a travesty. If this man makes it in, the whole Hall of Fame should be disbanded. <laughs> All of it. Burn it with I fire. I thought you were talking about Joyce. I thought they were going to put him in there. You know what? I'd be fine with Jim Joyce. He at least he admitted he made a mistake. He knows that what he did was one of the all-time most egregious calls ever. And genuinely seems like a good dude who normally gets it right more often than not. Yes. Yeah. That's Joe true. West is a d-bag who doesn't. Who now he doesn't admit to getting calls wrong. He he'll go up and show up, guys, and make it. You know, he, he was the original ump show. Like, he's the guy that, you know, makes it all about him and the awful calls he is out there making. That dude should be displayed at best in the dumpster out behind the Hall of Fame. <laughs> if they'll put the plaque there, I'm okay with it. But only <laughs> under those circumstances and no others. <laughs> That's the only way I can accept this. Uh, how do you really feel? I mean, I, think you're, I feel like you're holding back. The, man's a, the, the man should be fired out of a cannon into the sun. Should have been done about 20 years ago before you know he had, had the chance to, to, to umpire for that long. How would this man make it 5,460 games, the most MLB games ever umpired by anybody? How desperate is MLB for umpiring talent that this guy continued to have a job for as long as he did? Hall of Fame. My God. Take the whole Hall of Fame out and fire it out of a cannon. <laughs> Completely devaluing the entire institution by letting this bozo in. <laughs> we're we're circling the chopper around this big crater in Cooperstown. We don't well, we don't know what used to be here, but it's it's a smoldering crater. That's all we can see. <laughs> a lot of remnants of baseballs. Don't know why that is. <laughs> Weirdest thing, man. Can't explain that. All that's left is a dumpster, and it looks like there's a plaque by it. <laughs> <laughs> that that's fine. You know, if that's if that's how he gets in, I'm okay with it. Under literally no other circumstances can I condone this. Like at at, at some point, yeah, you, can you not tell the story of the game without without him being in there? Yeah, probably not, but not in a good way. I mean, we're keeping you know steroid guys and and, and everybody else out of the league. Other guys that you know have have done things or maybe were an a hole to a reporter one time and then just. The, the the beat writers decide they could f off forever, but we're letting this guy in. Really, I don't <laughs> understand it. Someone make it make sense. <laughs> For the love of God, here's here's the clockwork. Throw it all away. Throw the whole damn Hall of Fame away. That's where I'm at. Your local alternative, Solid State Radio. Marcus King at your local alternative, Solid State Radio. What's going on? It's happy hour. He's Adam Harahuck. I'm Sean Cantwell. I've got a little Lions stuff to do here real quick. A couple things have come across my desk uh, per the ESPN about trades that, well, one is trades that your Detroit football Lions should make. And then the other, this was an ESPN thing that uh, from one Bill Barnwell about who's worth, how many NFL players would return a first-round pick via trade Basically, uh, this this came up, I guess, as a result of another article that we'll get to in a moment about for, about trades that would make sense for several teams, including one that does involve your Detroit Football Lions. But just a real quick, these are the guys that, according to ESPN's Bill Barnwell, would rate at least one first round pick or more uh, in a in a any sort of trade. Now, I this is where I I cue whatever production music that we have at hand, but I'm not playing forward down the field. Sorry, just can't do it. <laughs> so the, what they have listed for the Lions is that these two guys in particular would re- bring a return of two first-round picks. Aiden Hutchinson, I can agree with that one. Panay Sewell, I think I could also agree with that one, honestly. Sewell's the best right tackle in the NFL right now. He's the reason your offensive line is anywhere as good as it is. Like it, it, your your O line is by and large an elite unit anyway, and he might be the best player on it. I could see either one of those guys getting a first uh, two first round picks in a trade. Obviously, you're not trading anybody here, but then the first which ones could retain one first round pick in exchange? Jameer Gibbs, Amonara St. Brown, Jared Goff, Frank Ragnow, and honestly. I can't disagree on any of those. I mean, Goff, basically, you had to, you gave up a, a, a arguably better or at least as good of QB, one with the you know, worst injury history, but you got multiple first round picks back in exchange 
for Stafford and Goff as a package deal, so I don't know if that really counts. But the way he's playing right now, I'd say it absolutely would. Jameer Gibbs, Alman around St. Brown, Ragnow. I mean, St. Brown should absolutely be worth a first-rounder somewhere. You got him for basically nothing, and he's gone on to be one of the best receivers in the league. Ragnow, elite O-lineman. Jameer Gibbs. I don't know. I mean, Gibbs might get a first-round pick from somebody just for the fact that he is still so young. There's a lot of potential there, and the Lions just haven't used him to any of that potential. That's the the only one I might question now is Gibbs whether he would get that kind of return. Like the Lions don't seem to be that interested in utilizing him, really. But I mean, there were enough teams that would have probably used that first rounder on him that you could argue that. Do I do any of these guys get flipped? Obviously, of course that doesn't happen. But just interesting to see how much the experts value our guys. Now on to the trade that has been floated about by ESPN's Bill Barnwell that would make sense for all parties involved. That involves your Detroit Football Lions. Okay. Lions would get a 2024 fifth-round pick and edge rusher Daniil Hunter. No, it's not actually pronounced Danielle, which I thought it was because that's how it's spelled. <laughs> Lions would get, or the Vikings would get a 2024 second-round pick, James Houston, and a 2025 third-round pick. His explanation goes, the Lions should go for it, right? At 4-1, and one, they're well ahead of the NFC North and just a game back of the Niners and Eagles at the top of the conference. Well, not anymore. Now they're tied within that 5-1. and one. Hutch is playing like a defensive player of the year contender, but no other Lions defender has more than two sacks. Houston, who surprisingly had eight sacks as a rookie last season, is out indefinitely after fracturing his right ankle in Week 2. Romeo Okwara hasn't been the same since tearing his Achilles. And Charles Harris is a solid player, but Detroit could dream of adding a second star across from Hutch on the edge. Hunter's probably the best player with a realistic shot of being moved by this deadline. He's got six sacks and a league-high nine tackles for loss through five games this season. He landed a one-year, $17 million deal after a hold-in this summer, but with free agency looming and the Vikings repeatedly reticent to offer him a new deal, he is likely to leave the organization in the offseason. Other teams know that, which is why the Vikings wouldn't be likely to land a first-round pick for a player with three months remaining on his deal, even given Hunter's pedigree, 2023 production, and age. The acquiring team would get to recoup a potential compensatory pick if it lost him, but that pick would be canceled out if the team spent on new free agents accordingly. Would save the Vikings 8.3 mil, they'd land Houston, who looks like a promising pass rush prospect, and a second rounder in April's draft. Most teams, and, and I know what you're probably thinking, they're not going to trade to a division rival, right? Well, they already did last, uh, was it last year? That when they landed, uh, they traded up to land JMO in the draft and then sent TJ Hawkinson to the Vikings for draft picks last fall. So, I mean, there's already a history of doing these kinds of deals. Minnesota's going nowhere fast. And Hunter would absolutely be the thing that I have been clamoring for from the start of this year, which is Hutch needs some help up front. Yes. If you're the Lions, do you make this trade? I I don't know. I'm nervous. I really like the way things are going. I'm saying don't change a thing. But in a in in a perfect world that'd be the way, but realistically speaking, uh yeah. I mean, it it's kind of hard to argue against the production the the numbers that Hunter has put up in his time like he would be a, one hell of a threat up on the other side of Hutchinson, like he'd make that pass rush even more deadly than it already is. I love the idea of uh, of solidifying things up front, and I'm not really that worried. Like if Houston pans out and does end up being that guy, great. But you know what? I I want impact now, and I am willing to give up whatever assets that we'd have to to make that happen. I do this trade all day, whether the Vikings do it. I mean, I feel like they have to, right? Because he's not—he's not coming back after this season. The Vikings aren't, don't want to pay him; they're—they're they're already paying him a stupid amount. They probably like to get that money that they're paying for him this year off the books in a season where they're not contending for much or really anything. I think it's one of those trades that does make sense for both sides. I'm all on board with it. Go out, go out and get him. Make <laughs> it happen. Make it happen, Detroit. Brad Holmes, get on the phone and do something. Yep. Gonna have to at least solidify somewhat your uh, your your defensive side of things, because you know it's going well now. But we know how quickly a couple injuries can change that. Uh, update on speaking of, 
we have we actually have running backs on the roster again because David Montgomery's out now. It looks like he's going to miss a couple weeks. And there was a period of time this week where you didn't have a healthy running back on your roster. But Jameer Gibbs and Craig Reynolds are both practicing, both were limited at practice today. Craig Reynolds didn't go at all Wednesday, and we thought, oh no, this can't happen. This can't be happening. We can't seriously be going out there with no running back whatsoever, right? And it looks like that is, um, we're going to be fine as far as that goes. I mean, you're not going to have your main guy, but you didn't have him most of last week's game, and it honestly didn't end up hurting you that much. I think you should be okay. Mm-hmm. It's happy hour. Your local alternative is Solid State Radio. Dave Matthews Band, your local alternative is Solid State Radio. What's going on? It is happy hour. He's Adam Harahawk. I'm Sean Cantwell. One more NFL thing I want to get to. And I am going to be somewhat curious as to uh, everyone's thoughts on this one. Like, The Athletic has come out with a list. Ranking basically all the, the current starting NFL quarterbacks. Rating every starting QB so far this year. Who's better than expected? Who's most concerning? And I could really just be a an a hole right now, Adam, and make you like guess like the top five or bottom five. I might be able to give you the teams, the actual players. Yeah, we'd be here for a long, long time. All right. So they they break it down into tiers. One being better than expected. Two not as bad as feared. Three tier one exemption group. Four awaiting the next step. Five environmental concerns paramount. And seven concerning for various reasons. I wow, think that's I'm, a lot of tiers. That that is. So there are five QBs in tier one, which is the better than expected. So I am gonna be a little bit of an a-hole here and see if you can guess who what five quarterbacks are in the list of better than expected. I'm just gonna give you a teams except for Jared Goff. He's gotta be in Jared there. Jared Goff is in there, yes. He picked up where he left off last season, top five in EPA per pass play. This time, the Lions are playing well enough on defense for his efforts to translate into the win column with greater consistency. You know, I don't disagree with this. Like, it does seem like he is, he's certainly progressed from where he's been. Like, he's been fairly solid. And I've been saying that he is, I'm not going to say an elite QB, but he's certainly a good QB in this league and arguably a top top five, top ten quarterback in this in this league. How's about I got faith in you here. Yeah, you can I do can, this. I can do this. I just gotta uh figure out who the QB is. I'm trying to sm- oh, Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy is on that list. His elbow injury has been a non-factor for a Niners offense that appeared unstoppable until encountering the Browns defense in week six. I would agree with that. I'd say he's definitely been better than a lot of people expect him to be. There's been a lot of Brock Purdy slander, certainly, going about from people. Oh, he he was Mr. Irrelevant. He wasn't even supposed to be here. Like So clearly he can't be good. I feel like there's someone else who got drafted pretty late as a QB who ended up being arguably the best ever to do it. But, you know, that I don't, I don't know what I'm talking about there. <laughs> How about Tua Tagovailoa? Tua is absolutely on this part of the list. He's healthy, producing at a record-setting pace for an offense that ranks second in NFL history for yards through six games. I mean, we've talked about how prolific the Dolphins' offense has been, and Tua's a big part of that, especially when you have a coach in Mike McDaniel that has very much figured out how to play to his strengths and weaknesses very well. I would agree that he's absolutely, he qualifies as better than expected. How about Jimmy Garoppolo? Jimmy Garoppolo does not make it to this portion of the list. Where do they list him at? They, I believe they put him at uh, at the... Uh, is he concerning for various reasons? I, th- I think so. Continuing injuries and diminished production raise concerns. Fair. I mean, things haven't been great there, although I argue, again, that's that there's a little bit of environment in that. Like, no one's going to do well playing for Josh McDaniels. I don't think. How's about Trevor Lawrence? Trevor Lawrence falls under not that part of the list. <clears throat> he ends up being uh, in the, uh, what is it? The uh, awaiting the next step really? portion. Eight okay. drop passes over a two-game period earlier in the season contributed to a slow start. Now he's dealing with a knee injury that could affect his availability. 
yeah, these, he hasn't lit it up out of the gates, but there's still hope he can ascend into the top tier. I think that's fair. Ugh, man. So there's one, the the, uh, the only one that you've, there's two you haven't guessed yet. One who we should be very familiar with. The other, a rookie, the one rookie who's actually performing well this season for a garbage, what has been a garbage team for quite some time. Would it be uh, Kelly Stafford's husband? Yes, Matthew Stafford. A return to health has allowed Stafford to keep the Rams competitive with and without Cooper Cup. I don't know if I put him as a tier one guy necessarily. Has he been better than expected? Yeah, but that's only because my expectation was his body was going to completely and utterly break down on him, and he was going to be, at this point, functionally a vegetable. So, I mean, <laughs> I guess that's better than expected. <laughs> I'll give you that. Uh, this is going to be a swing for the fences. I don't know. Uh, Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield actually <clears throat> falls under Tier 2, which is not as bad as feared. His statistical production generally aligns with his promising rookie year for a Bucks team. No one expected to have a 3-2 and record at this point. I mean, they're not wrong, but I mean, they did always have enough pieces around it that they should have done fairly decent at least. Even if Todd Bowles' uh, coaching last season didn't engender a lot of confidence in anybody. Uh, so I'm still missing one, right? You're still missing one. Huh, let me see. I'm looking at the team. You've got four of the five, though. Yeah. We're doing a... The, the better-than-expected QBs of the NFL season, and Adam so far has correctly guessed, Tua Tagovailoa, Jared Goff, Brock Purdy, and Matt Stafford. Matthew Stafford. He's a Buckeye. I'll give you the hint. <laughs> oh. That does, that does give me a hint. Not a, not a great one, but, I mean, it does the, the rookie QB out of Ohio State. Rookie. Okay. All right. Yeah, he was, he was a... Uh, okay. Kenny Pickett. No, out of Ohio State, Pickett's out of Pitt. And also, Pickett actually falls on this list into the uh, concerning category. Those hoping for a second-year jump have not yet seen it from Pickett or the Steelers' offense under second-year coordinator Matt Canada, which, let me tell you, all the Steelers fans I have as friends on Facebook, I hear a lot of people calling for Matt Canada to be fired. Because, you know, blame Canada. Not even a real country anyway. Early schedule featuring <laughs> tough defenses has not helped. But yeah, he's he's been kind of a um he he's been kind of a disaster as an offensive coordinator and Pickett has not hasn't really flashed the much of the potential that we were hoping for from him. It's really the defense that's keeping that ship afloat. I am drawing a blank. Of who I gave you the two best hints I could possibly give you. Ohio State and He's a rookie. He's a rookie. Yeah, and there's a bunch of football fans right just screaming, screaming at the radio. radios yeah, yeah, right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, they are. If only, if only there were a, a, a device, particularly in your hand, that that could have told you that the answer was indeed C.J. Stroud. Uh, I don't know who does he play for. The Houston Texans. Oh, okay. He's been even more consistently accurate and polished as a pocket passer than advertised, and it's showing up right away despite not having the best talent around him. Yeah, there's there's nothing there in, in Houston, really. He doesn't have really any weapons, and yet he's managed to do quite well for himself despite the fact that he's in the middle of a literal train wreck. Good on him, honestly. Houston's still not going to make the playoffs, but you got to at least be impressed that there is, there is very much a future in Houston beyond Deshaun Watson, as it turns out. Yes. Now, if only you could get a little bit of uh, maybe a bit of help around you here. That 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 could be something. Yeah. Because, I mean, you really – who do you have as far as receivers down there? Tank Dell. I'm pretty sure you made that name up, pro football reference. I don't, <laughs> I don't think this fella actually exists. He's apparently also a rookie. I don't know where he was drafted. He was taken in the third round, apparently. And he's the – him and Nico Collins, who th- – there, there is a nice name from uh, – well, he's only been in the league three years, apparently. And this is the first year he's put up over 500 yards in a season. But well, I guess when you have Davis Mills throwing to you, that's to be expected. Mm-hmm. But it's not like he has great targets to throw to, by and large. I mean – what, we, what I thought would be his best target is their tight end, Dalton Schultz. And so far, he's been uh, rather... He, he's only started in one game this season and has been, by and large, seemingly kind of uh, a, a, a bit underwhelming. So, given what he's doing, 
in that offense. And really, it's another reason you you really could potentially argue that D'Amico Ryans should be in coach of the year candidacy. They're, they're, this isn't a team that's going anywhere. Imagine what Stroud's going to do. Imagine what Ryan's will be able to do once this team gets some actual weapons. It'd be quite something to see, honestly. Yo, yeah. Here's Marvelous 3. It's if we're on fire, let it burn. Solid State Radio. Solid State Radio as we get set to get the hell out of Dodge here on a Thursday afternoon and make way for whatever the hell it is that Adam Harahuck does at 6 o'clock. I, I honestly don't know. I've never listened. On the show, we put you in touch with your mind and your soul and your body for fighting evil. Okay, apparently Ninja Talk with Adam Harahuck is coming up next. <laughs> Michigan Ninja Talk. Oh. Ninja, please. Just Good Lord. <laughs> So, no, apparently I'm told it's a local original music show, Solid State yes. Sessions, something like that. Yep, going to have uh, some music from Loxodon coming up. Uh, I'm trying to Ooh, remember my list. Guys. Yeah, Loxodon, I think I got the Rockets coming up. Uh, it, no, that was last That was, that was last yesterday. night. That was, it was last night. Uh, just trust well, me. Why don't you tell one. you what's it's on good. your show yeah, tonight, would you, Adam? Would you please? Because yeah, I do. I do have the set list somewhere around here. So you're playing tonight, Von Kaiser. You are playing Loxanon. Yes. Greta Van Fleet, Slumlord Radio, Andrew WK, and uh, apparently you're going to get kind of spooky in the back half of tonight's show. Yes, of course. Getting the spirit of Halloween. Indeed, with some Halloween, as it turns out. Who you yeah. got on the show again tomorrow, real quick? Uh, I have Matt Bastardson. Oh, that should be a good time. Uh, yeah, all the way he, he seems like a real interesting cat. He he showed up to our uh, uh, birthday bash, said hello. Looking forward to hanging out with him. Should be a good time all the way around. That's gonna do it for us, though. We'll back tomorrow with the picks, unsolicited advice, and all a bunch of other nonsense at uh, about three or so. I'll be well. Talk to you then. See ya.